happy Monday. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. Thanks for uh, plugging in, listening, making me a part of your week. I, I really appreciate that. I, uh, I like making this podcast. It's good for me. So thank you for listening. Um, it means a lot, which I've said a lot. Um, this week I have planned an episode that I've actually put some thought and effort into, which I kind of tend to say every week that I don't do that. But this week I actually tried and put some thought into what I wanted to say. And that's because of the topic, uh, just what I want to say in general, uh, requires some thought and constitutes having thought through this uh, topic thoroughly. So I I mentioned that at the beginning of this month, beginning of March, I started reading Dr. Jordan B. Peterson's new book, 12 Rules for Life. Well, 12 More Rules for Life. Um, This is the second in a 12 Rules for Life series that Dr. Peterson has written. The first book came out... I believe, like 2017. So it's been around for a while and and became very, very popular um, among mostly young men. And, you know, he has put more thought into it and has come up with 12 more rules for life. Um, Now, Dr. Peterson, uh, he is... He has become a very polarizing figure in the world. Um, In fact... It doesn't take much more than just a Google search of Jordan B. Peterson to find out that people either really love him or really hate him. And that is because uh, he's a clinical psychologist and he um, he stands up a lot for free speech. That's kind of one of his big things that he believes in. And uh, in showing his support for free speech in America, he is also... Um, openly spoken out against, like, gender identity and things like that, you know, and those two things are generally very closely tied together in a way that says, you know, I believe that I should be able to speak and say whatever I like, I have that right, and at what point do I have to participate in your worldview? So, like, if you identify as a man or as a woman and biologically you're not a man or a woman you say okay that's fine you do whatever you want but why do i have to participate in the way that you see yourself and that has turned a lot of people uh very very angry against dr peterson and so i think to some extent the, his books 12 rules for life uh, both the first and the second one um, have probably been ignored by people that would otherwise really enjoy them um, in fact, I think if you put a different name on the front of the book, if it, if it wasn't openly written by Jordan B. Peterson, uh, people would really love the book and like would widespread be very well accepted. Um, I think it's one of the best books I've ever read. And of course, this isn't fiction, like I said with East of Eden earlier this year. But it's one of the best books I've ever read. It, I think it's really important, especially for young men, because... It talks a lot about bringing order to your life and how it teaches a lot of lessons about how to be a competent leader and a competent human. And uh, I think that's important. I think everyone should read the book. 
And so I've been reading these and I've been I've been thinking about the rules and the different things. And I thought, wouldn't it be kind of neat if I did a podcast episode explaining my personal 12 rules for life? Uh, this isn't in any way meant to like undermine uh, Dr. Peterson's work. Um, I'm definitely not as uh, smart or experienced as he is. But these, I just thought it'd be fun to come up with 12 general rules that I try to abide by in my in my daily life that uh, just kind of generally guide who I am as a person. I thought it'd be kind of fun to do this. You know, th- this did take a lot of effort because you think this would be an easy thing to do. Just think of 12 general rules that you follow in your day-to-day life that make you who you are, that make you a good person. And that is not an easy thing to do. 12 is a lot, and it seems like not that many. But if you're trying to kind of create a full picture, um, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. So that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to, to, to present to you guys my 12 rules for life, 12 things that I think uh, dictate my life and uh, make me who I am. So we're going to start right now. Rule one, trust the process slash do it yourself. Um, I like to do things myself. And what I mean by that is I like doing things the way that people would describe as the hard way. Now, not everything, but I think there is a lot of value and a lot more uh, accomplishment in doing things yourself. I think a lot of this stemmed from the fact of where I grew up. Uh, my dad is a big believer in DIY, you know, do-it-yourself projects around the house, around the farm, things like that. But I think a lot of that came from just where we lived geographically. Like, we lived 25 minutes from the nearest Walmart. We lived 25 minutes from the nearest auto parts store or, you know, a place like that. So if it was time to change the oil in the car it made a lot more sense for us to stay at home and do it ourselves than to drive half an hour, 45 minutes away to get it done. It made more sense for us to do things ourselves because it was easier and cheaper. And I I learned that as an economic rule in a way, like just, you know, there's, it makes more sense and it's cheaper to do things yourself. But then as you start to go out of your way to learn specific skills or to learn how to do specific things, that there's a lot more meaning and enjoyment behind completing them once you've done it yourself. Um, some examples in my personal life, I've talked about uh, my introduction and learning to fly fish. And part of that is that I tie all of my own flies, which by no means do you have to do. I mean, it's, it's a relatively expensive hobby but it's one that I get a lot of satisfaction out of. Like I enjoy so much more buying the materials, sitting down and learning how to tie the flies. And when I have them one done, it's a lot better than spending my $3 buying one at a store. Like I enjoy the process of making it. Um, another thing is uh, coffee. One of the things that I'm kind of a snob about. I, I very much prefer making my own cup of coffee. I use a French press every day. And it's a lot more hands-on than, you know, like a drip coffee maker or a Keurig. Like I have to get up and 
I use a hand grinder to grind my beans and I have to watch the French press and like keep an eye on it instead of just popping in a cake cup pod and hitting the go button. But I think it makes a better cup of coffee. I enjoy the coffee more since I put in the work to actually make it. Um, I think it's an important thing. I think it's important to learn new skills and to constantly push yourself to try new things that you've never done before because it makes us more well-rounded people and we get a lot more enjoyment out of the things that we do if we do them ourselves and don't take the easy way out. So uh, that's that's my rule one. Trust the process or do it yourself. Uh, rule number two, always stop and listen to the rain. Um, I'm one of those weird people that really really loves rainy days. Uh, some of my favorite weather in the world is kind of that like dark overcast in the middle of the day. Like there's something relaxing about it. Like I love foggy days as well. And fog is a little easier for me to put my finger on because it takes the world and like it shrinks it in a way. Like visually you can only see so far and it makes us much more attentive to what we can see. And it kind of shrinks the world and kind of helps us not worry so much. It makes me calm because there's less to see, there's less to think about, there's less to worry about. You just focus on what's in front of you. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. But I have this rule that every time it's raining and I, and I recognize that it's raining and I can hear it, that I stop whatever I'm doing, I'll step outside on my porch for just a couple minutes or even longer, depends on what I'm doing. But just, you take some time stop whatever you're doing and just listen to the sound of the rain on the roof. Uh, for one, it's a relaxing sound. Like if you have a white noise machine, uh, odds are it's got the sound of like rain on the roof. Like it's, it's relaxing, but it's important. I think to just stop and unplug and stop whatever it is you're doing. You know, I don't even mean like digitally, you know, put your phone down and focus on something, but just to, to stop everything and relax and listen to the rain. Uh, another reason that I like rainy days or foggy days is that it's it's a reminder that God is not absent, that God is around us, and that He's influencing the world, and like that He's there because God's making it rain. God's creating the fog. It's like He's He's there, and it's relaxing, and it does a lot for me. And like when I'm done, I'm in a much better mood, and then I'll go back to whatever I'm doing. And, you feel great, like it's relaxing and a really special time, I think, if I just sit down and listen to the rain. And so that's rule number two. Stop and listen to the rain. Uh, rule number three, do something that you don't want to do every single day. Uh, this is not an easy one. Uh, in fact, this is probably one of the harder ones because it is a daily thing where you have to constantly be on top of yourself. Like we, it's so easy to be lazy. It's so easy to want to be comfortable and do what we want. But I think it is a good thing. And it's an important thing to force yourself to do something that you don't want to do. Um, and, it, and it can be big things. It can be small things. It doesn't have to be like a grand thing like, oh, I am going to do something hard that I don't want to do. I'm going to go out and run a marathon today. Like that's, that's outrageous. That is a process thing that goes back to rule one, trust the process. But I just mean doing something silly or trivial, something that just 
is a minor annoyance even. Like, I'm going to go put up the laundry that I folded. I hate doing that. You can ask my wife. She's very tolerant of me in that, that will do the laundry and I won't put it up like ever. Like she has to like make me do it. Uh, I actually have a bunch of laundry sitting out right now that I need to go put up, but instead I'm recording a podcast or, you know, doing the dishes, something like that. Like make yourself do something that you don't want to do. And then it's done. Like it's a good thing, I think, to just be constantly in control of our thought process and our actions to say, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to anyways. That's that's a good thing. It shows mental strength and mental stability. And it, you know, it shows a little bit of self-discipline. And that's a good thing. Um, Mark Twain has a really fantastic quote that I'm going to absolutely butcher here. In fact, it's probably best I just look it up for you because... Mark Twain is a genius, and he's from Missouri, which is like, woo, proud to be a Missourian, right? Um, Mark Twain. My goodness, I can't type. There's a quote by Mark Twain, I think, that actually really well encapsulates this whole idea. Um... He has this quote that says, eat a live frog first day in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you for the rest of the day. Uh, that's not it. No, this is the Mark Twain quote I'm looking for. Mark Twain has this quote um, that I think really well encapsulates this idea that I'm trying to explain. Um, he once said that if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. And so it's kind of funny and you laugh at it, but the whole idea that Mark Twain is kind of trying to communicate here is that if you have something that you need to do, that you don't want to do, like eating a live frog, gross. It's supposed to make you squirm a little bit. It's doing something you don't want to do. It's best to just get it done. Do it first thing in the morning you know, do something you don't want to do, and then it's done, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not there in the back of your mind, in the background, nagging at you. You can just move on with your day. Do what you want to do next. That's great, but you have to do what you don't want to do, and make yourself do something every day that you don't want to do. It provides a lot of meaning to your life, and it makes life just, it makes it more enjoyable, and you kind of have that sense of accomplishment that I got this done. You know, that's, that's a good thing. That's one I try to focus on a lot. I'm not great at it. Like the hard one for me is getting up on time. Like my second podcast of the year was don't hit snooze. And guess who hits snooze? Like every single morning, this guy, like I'm bad at it. Do something you don't want to do. At least try to anyways. Rule four, appreciate the greatness of your opponents. Uh, this one came to mind to me uh, because of March Madness. Um, I have watched a lot of basketball games in my life, and I've watched a fair amount of basketball games in the past week just because of March Madness and games being on all day. Like, if a game's on, I'll have it on, man. It's, I love basketball. I've been playing it since I was in third grade. Uh, it's a sport that I really love to watch. And... Uh, it is really no surprise that any fan of 
a sport has strong opinions on certain teams and certain players. And I grew up and still remain a diehard Kentucky Wildcat fan. Which, you know, if you don't like the Wildcats, fine. We'll get to that later. Like what you like. Um, But that means that there are certain teams that by no circumstance will I ever root for. Like the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, I also grew up in Missouri, so I was kind of by proxy a University of Missouri fan. And so, like, Kansas Wildcat, uh, Kansas Jayhawks, I will never root for them. Ever. And so, th- there are teams that I just actively dislike, and players that I actively dislike. And it's so easy to take things that we dislike, you know, to watch a basketball game, to watch a team, and to just trash talk them the whole time. Be like, man, that guy stinks. This team stinks. They can't do anything right. And it's so easy to do that, even if they're playing well. I think it's important, and it's something that I try to do, um, and that's to applaud your opponents for things that they do well. Like, I, I'll be watching games, and due to my bracket or my personal biases, I'll be rooting for one team and actively rooting against another. But if that other team is playing really well, like, enjoy it. Like, it's good basketball. They're doing things that are incredible. Like, applaud it. You know, don't be so stubborn in in your fandom that you you don't appreciate something great that's happening right in front of you. Like that is stubbornness. It's sh- it's short sightedness, and it shows that you really care more about the team than about the game. And so I, I will watch teams like Duke or Kansas. And I'm like, you know what? They play well. There's a reason that they're good. That doesn't mean I have to like them, but, you know, if if one of the players does something truly incredible, it's like, man, you, just, you gotta, you gotta respect it. You gotta respect the game. And so that's, that's, that's uh, rule four, appreciate the greatness of your opponents. Uh, rule five, don't apologize for what you like. Uh, I've said that several times on this podcast already this year, which is good. I think this is one that's fairly important. Um, I talked about in one episode that I was voted the class snob of my high school the year that I graduated. Um, that was a pretty humbling experience for me. If I'm being totally honest, like that, that kind of hurt me a little bit in the hubris, but in a way it also just kind of reminded me that I have my opinions on things that doesn't mean I should denigrate the opinions of others. So, you know, if it comes to basketball, like, I like the Kentucky Wildcats. If you're a fan of Duke or something, I will make fun of you. And I will say, why would you root for those guys? But you know what? Like, don't feel ashamed of it. And this is why this is a hard rule for me, because uh, I have strong opinions on things, you know. But don't apologize for what you like. Um, Sarah and I... When we started dating, we thought we had a very similar taste in music, and uh, it did not take long to realize that while they are similar, they are not identical. And I like music that she doesn't like. Uh, In particular, especially lately, I've been listening to a lot of, like, early Fall Out Boy when they were very punky, and Sarah just really hates it. She just doesn't enjoy listening to it, and and I'll listen to it on repeat all day long. And she likes her music. And... You know, I'm I'm not going to shame Sarah for what she likes. Like, 
I'm glad that she likes something and that she shouldn't have to apologize for it. And I shouldn't have to apologize for what I like just because someone else dislikes it. Like, you know, own the things that you enjoy. I love the movie Spider-Man 3. And I have to constantly, I mean constantly, defend that movie to people. Because they're like, that movie was horrible. And I'm like, yeah, but it's enjoyable. Like, I love the movie and I like it. And so I don't have to feel ashamed about that. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, rep your thing, man. Don't apologize for what you like. Uh, Rule six. Choose your words carefully. This one, I think, is probably one of my more important rules. Uh, One of the things that I really try hard and and focus on very particularly. Um, I'm not exactly sure where this came from. Uh, I'm going to credit this to my dad because uh, the older I get, I realize that I am turning into my dad. I think that's a great thing. But, you know, I, I... I draw a lot on him as uh, someone that I look up to. So I think naturally part of this comes from him. Uh, My dad has a way of being very precise with his words. Um, When he gets a little frustrated, he uses big words. And so sometimes when we were kids, uh, we would be, we'd do something stupid or we'd get in trouble. And dad would use a big word in, in the form of a question. And we would have to say, um, can you tell me what that means before I agree to that? Because, like, you know, I'm not fixing to agree to something that I, I'm, I'm not sure what it means. And, you know, that's that's so funny, like, we laugh at it, but I think there, there is something very important about choosing our words very carefully. And, and I think that takes two forms, one of which is precision. I, I think it's important to be precise in our speech and to intentionally choose words that have the the best meaning for what we're trying to communicate. Um, I think that's very important, especially when you're communicating with people and family and people that you particularly like and love. It's a good thing to communicate clearly with them. And the precision of our words makes a big difference. Uh, you know, like if you talk to a toddler or a small child, their vocabulary is very limited. And so their ability to express what they want and what they think and feel is also directly limited to that. And so being precise as adults and as people, I think, is very important as it allows us to communicate very clearly uh, what we are thinking. Um, One example of this often comes when Sarah and I have to write cards to people. Like she'll write a little something and I'll write a little something. And she will write, like, half the card. And then I'll write, like, three or four sentences. And Sarah will look over it and go, you said everything I said in, like, a quarter of the space. And, like, I'm a little proud of that. I'm a little proud of being precise. But that also can make you come across, makes me come across sometimes as uh, rude almost because I speak so little in times and things that are meaningful because I try to say as much as I can in as few words. And that can get me in trouble sometimes. What can I say? Um, So precision is a big part of it. And I think almost a more important part of that is objectivity. Um, Something that Jordan Peterson talks about in one of his rules in the first book talks about how our words and what we say help create our 
worldview. And being objective is a very important part of that. So, and this also comes from books that I've read, like The Obstacles the Way, that, that focuses a lot on objectivity. Um, and this will come in actually in the next rule that I'll talk about, but being objective helps a lot. Like if I look at a situation and I look at a problem and I say, this is a catastrophe, this is a bad thing. And then I've already made up my mind what I think about it. And I've created that as a reality because of the words that I've chosen. When in reality, it could just be a flat tire. It's like, this is not the end of the world. It is a flat tire. Objectively, the way that we speak helps create the way that we think and the way that we feel about things. And in our own heads, what we think and what we feel becomes reality. It becomes truth to us. And so being objective and real with ourselves about what we see and think um, helps create a much more clear version of the world, one that's not so fogged and uh, distracted by our own personal opinions. Um, so that's, that's rule six, you know, choose your words carefully. Uh, I realized that I do this, especially once I started doing this podcast, I realized how often I pause between or in the middle of sentences while I try to find the right word for something. It's a really weird thing. Like just try to think of something to talk about and like record it on your phone for like two minutes and realize how, like you kind of learn about your speech pattern and it's really, it gets in your head because you, you notice it all the time. It can be kind of annoying because you want to fix it and it's not easy. But anyways, rambling, choose your words carefully. Uh, rule seven, only worry about what you can control. Uh, this is one that I've been taught since I was a kid by my parents was, you know, don't worry about that. You can't control it. And this is something that we have to constantly remind ourselves about because the world's a scary place. And there are a lot of things that happen to us on a daily basis that are concerning and things that we need to take care of or just general problems that affect all of our lives. But at the end of the day, there are only so many things that we can control. And this goes back to the objectivity I talked about in uh, the last rule is if we, you know, about a year ago, uh, all this COVID stuff broke out and the world kind of shut down and there were a lot of things to be really concerned about. But what was most important for all of us as individuals was to worry about what we could control. Uh, the spread of the virus and will we ever find a vaccine? How will life go back to normal? All these things were big on our minds and really concerning. But a lot of those problems were not things that we could control. And if we can take charge of and take ownership of the things that we can control and not worry about the things outside of ourselves, then we have a much healthier mindset and worldview. And it makes our lives so much easier if we only worry about and only focus on what we can control. That's not an easy thing to do, especially, you know, looking in, in interpersonal problems when you're dealing with other people. Uh, there are things that are really scary, you know, how will someone react if I say or do this? I, I don't know how they'll react, but I, I can control how I react and how I treat other people and how I will react to the way other people treat me. And so worrying about 
all of the possible details is not a healthy way to live. And so it is important and it is a general rule I follow to only worry about what I can control. I think that's a good one. I think that's a pretty decent practical advice. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn by saying that. But this is not an original idea. You know, only worry about what you can control. Um, rule eight. Rule eight. Wave at people in traffic. Um... And I, I don't mean, like, wave at your friends if you see them driving by. I'm talking about, like, waving at people who are bad and rude drivers. Um, <laughs> traffic is a really easy place to get upset and annoyed. And I don't like being upset and annoyed, and I like being in control of my emotions. And one thing that has helped me with that is waving at people in traffic, or, like, saying to myself, I hope you have a great day. Because um, there are people that really get on your nerves while you're driving. People that cut you off or, you know, one of the things that annoys me more than absolutely anything is when there's a traffic jam and people will fly up in the lane that's wide open and try to cut their way in to the line of people that have been sitting waiting for a long time. Like, I am driven nuts by those people. And when someone tries to do that to me, I try my best to say, I hope you have a great day. Or to someone that's riding my bumper and flies by me. Things like that. Because if I'm annoyed at them, it doesn't do me any good. It doesn't do that person any good. And it just, it it ruins our day when we let something outside of ourselves bother us. You know, I can't control that other driver. And... But I can control myself. If I let myself get irritated by this other person that's just pestering me and being annoying or even being rude, it's best for me just to say, I hope you have a great day. Even if I don't mean it, even if I don't know the person, because oftentimes in traffic you don't, but it, it does a lot for my personal mindset to not be annoyed if I'm trying to say something nice to the person. And so if you're frustrated in traffic, give it a whirl. Just like look at the other car and say, I hope you have a great day and give them a little wave. I think it makes, it always makes me feel better. Maybe it might make you feel better. Maybe you think I'm just a nut. Um, I don't know. That's something that I try to do. You know, there's no reason to get upset at people in traffic. You know, doesn't do me any good. So I might as well wish them to have a good day. That's rule nine. Rule eight. Rule eight. Rule nine is consider that the person you're listening to knows something that you don't. Uh, that actually does come straight from 12 Rules for Life. And it's not like a novel idea. It's not something that Jordan Peterson through some kind of like divine intervention figured out. Like this is not new advice, but it's very good advice. Um, listening to people matters and listening to especially people that are older than you, really matters. Because oftentimes, uh, they know something that you don't. And that is, uh, that's a problem specifically for young people. And it can likewise, you know, be a problem for older people. But when there's a large age gap between individuals that are communicating, it can be very easy to think that you know something that the other person doesn't. And I think it's important for us to realize that the odds are is that someone that we're talking to has to know something that we don't. Like if you think about 
the just the broad spectrum of knowledge there is in the world like how much there is to know about all topics someone is bound to know something that you don't and so so being pretentious and cocky thinking that you know everything is only doing yourself a disservice because you can learn from other people um one of the things like i I learned this in my own life when i worked at cabela's i i wanted to learn how to fly fish and there's i met a guy there my man rick he's an older gentleman he's retired he's doing that kind of like as his labor of love i've talked about him on the podcast before he taught me pretty much he taught me everything i know about fly fishing not pretty much i i he's the only person i know anything about when it comes to fly fishing he taught me everything i know but if i was like i can figure this out i've been fishing before you know thanks rick but whatever like that would have been rude for one thing which i don't want to be a rude person but you cut yourself off to important ideas and learning experiences if we just shut people down because we think they have nothing to offer. And even if it's not a learning situation, but just listening to people talk about their lives, you can learn so much about a person and understand them better just by listening instead of ignoring and just like waiting to say the next thing you want to say. So I think that matters a lot and it makes you a much more personable and likable person if you just listen to what other people have to say instead of waiting to say what you want to say next. So, rule nine, consider that other people, consider that the person you're listening to knows something that you don't. Uh, Rule 10, just play the game. Uh, That's some advice that I got from my grandfather. Uh, He worked pretty much his whole life in a factory type setting. Like he worked, he graduated high school, then he went to work at Ford, and then he got drafted to go to Vietnam. And then he came back and worked for Ford and TWA his whole life. Uh, at TWA, he overhauled jet engines. Like, he took them apart and put them back together again. The guy was a mechanic his whole life. And I love him and I respect him to death. And so in a lot of those situations, uh, you find yourself in some suboptimal situations. You find yourself doing things you don't want to do or that you think are unfair or that you think this could be done better but your boss tells you to do it a certain way. And in which case the best thing to do is just play the game. And he, he told me, he taught me that from a fairly young age is just because something is unfair or you don't like the way that it's done or that you think it's silly or stupid doesn't mean that it's not worth doing or doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. In fact, in fact, you should do it. You should just play the game, get your work done, And that's it. Like, you don't have to love everything that you do. I think all of us can agree that we don't all love every job that we've ever had. I worked some pretty miserable jobs. Like, working at Cabela's was fun sometimes. And then some days, it was horrible. I spent an entire summer moving furniture up and down stairs on a construction site. That job was horrible. But you just play the game. You do your job. You get your paycheck. And you move on to something different, move on to something better. So, you know, we don't have the power to change everything. And there's a certain line that has to be drawn with this rule, I think, which makes it an imperfect rule. But sometimes if things are not good and they can be better, we can fix it. 
in which case we should try to fix it. But there are also situations where you can't make the situation any better. You can't make the problem go away. And in which case the best thing to do is just to grin and bear it. Play the game, do your part, and don't make life more difficult for other people. I like that rule. It's some of the best advice I've ever been given. Just play the game. Uh, rule 11, try anything once. Um, I think that's also an important rule. I think all of these are important. That's why I'm saying them. I don't know why I keep repeating that. That seems kind of dumb to say. I think this is important. Obviously, that's why you're talking about it. Wrap it up, dude. Um, <laughs> sorry, talking to myself. Uh, try anything once. I was taught this by my mom. Um, we had a rule that you had to clean your plate at every meal. Like there was no, I don't like this or I don't want to try this. You ate it and you ate all of it. And that was always the deal. And if we went to a guest's house, if I went to my friend's house, my mom was like, I don't care what your friend's mom makes, you eat it. And that's great. And then you get older and like I left home and then I could start eating whatever I wanted. I have to cook all my own food or, you know, you're going to a friend's house and they're making something for you, whatever it is, there's a line between being polite and being open-minded, uh, trying something because you don't want to be rude. That's just being polite. That's trying it so that you don't offend someone. And then what I'm talking about is being open-minded is I'll try anything once. I had never had Indian food before, but Sarah introduced it to me. And if I had just been like, I've never had it, I don't want to try it, that would be closed-minded and dumb because Indian food's delicious and I quite enjoy it. But me being closed-minded wouldn't have fixed it. Or maybe you're introducing yourself to new music or new genres of film or books or whatever it is. You know, saying that I'll try anything once is valuable. You know, that's that's how we grow as individuals is by diversifying the things that we choose to consume media-wise or the people that we meet or the things that we do. Like if we never try something new, then we become stagnant and repetitive. And it's a good thing to widen our horizons. And to do that, you have to be willing to try anything once. So rule 11, try anything once. And so here we are, finally, rule 12, the last one. Uh, this is one I wrote like two minutes before I started recording because I didn't have a 12th one written down. And I think this is one that's, that's important and it's a good one. Uh, don't spend money that you don't have. My dad taught me that. My dad was an accountant for 20 years. He did taxes. And so he was intimately familiar with a lot of people's incomes and like what they made and how they lived. And the thing that he taught my brothers and I from a, a young age was that you cannot spend money that you don't have because what, what are you going to do? Like, it makes no sense to say, I don't have the money for this, but I'm going to buy it anyways, because that's debt and debt is a problem and it sucks you in and it is a bad thing to, <laughs> to spend what you don't have. Like it, 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 I find it so silly that people do this. It like genuinely frustrates me to a certain degree. Like the way my dad taught us like how to budget. Like when I left 
Florida College and went to Western and I, I was going to have an apartment and I had to have a job and I was going to have to pay for my rent and my food and all this stuff all on my own now. I was like, how do I make a budget? My dad was like, it's fourth grade math. This is what you make. You add that money and you can't subtract more than that because it doesn't exist. Like that is what you have. That is what you can spend. And how you spend that, you know, is at your discretion, but you can't spend money that you don't have because it doesn't exist. Well, you can borrow from people. I can get a credit card. That's that's silly. And and maybe I'm overstepping my bounds here talking money, but uh, I think it's pretty practical and pretty wise to say you shouldn't spend money that you don't have. Like, you know, if I have two apples and you want three apples, tough luck, man. I don't have it. I can't give it to you. And, and I think that when you put it something like that, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can't spend what you don't have. It's easy. It's fourth grade math, man. Add and subtract. So, sorry. Beating that dead horse just a little bit. Probably because I hadn't thought about it as much. But anyways, those are my 12 rules for life. Uh, thank you for enduring this episode because I was very concerned while recording it that I would sound pretentious the whole time. Like, I have all the answers or that my 12 rules, these things that I'm talking about make me objectively a better person because I have good rules and that you should listen to them and adopt them for yourself. Um, I hope that you didn't take it that way. And I hope that I didn't come across that way because all I'm trying to do is think through my life. And I think we can learn a lot about ourselves by identifying the patterns that we exhibit in our own lives. It's like, I thought it would be a fun exercise to look at my life and try to say, what are things that I try to do on a daily basis that make me who I am? And I think it's it's been good. It's taught me about myself. Things that kind of float behind our subconscious, you know, you try to shed some light on. And that is, I think, a good thing. So uh, thank you guys for listening, for enduring my 12 rules. If you have anything that you like, something that I maybe missed or didn't touch on, uh, reach out to me. I'd, I'd, I'd really like to hear it. I think it'd be really cool to hear what you guys think about my rules or rules that you have for yourself. I'd really enjoy that. I think that'd be great. Um, some housekeeping things, some things that I'd like to mention. Uh, last week I talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, I mentioned that on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 75% critic score and that that was spiking because it's at the very beginning and you know, a law of averages says that the more that you have, the harder it is to maintain that score. Well, it's only been a week, and so I'm sure it might flatline a little bit more in the future, but it still has a 73% critic score. Like, that is still a really good score. Its audience score is 97. Like, I'm seeing I'm seeing it everywhere. People loved the movie. And so that makes me feel good, because I did enjoy it, and I thought it was better. And it makes me feel pretty good that the general consensus says the same. So that's really neat. Um, you know, if you haven't watched it, you should like just sign up for an HBO max free trial, you know, you use it, cancel it before they, they charge you. It's cool. It's great. You know, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, there's that. Um, I don't know what else there is to really say. Um, our podcast music is written by my brother, Matt. 
Uh, he does a good job with that. I love the music. In fact, when I'm editing, I always make a point to like listen to the music two or three times because I just enjoy listening to it that much. Like he's he's a fantastic artist. Um, there's that. Our our show art was made by Bryce Bridgman. You can find him on Instagram at, at @groovybridge. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, go check out my friend Jeremy's podcast, Inside Quotes. I've had him on the show before, and I'm sure I'll have him on the show in the future. Uh, I enjoy that. Like you should listen to it. It's great. Jeremy, I love you. Thanks for listening. Um, and this is really the end of the podcast. So uh, if you love the show, please share it with someone you love. If you hated the show, please share it with someone that you hate. Just share it. I don't care who you share it with. Just share it. That'd be awesome. Um, and until next week, cowabunga.